It's a new season here at NBC. I think you've heard that lately. Um, one of the things about that, right, we just retired our mortgage, so we're sell- it's a season of celebration. It's a season of change. Uh, you start to see more young people, more younger pastors like myself up here as older pastors are in their, um, what they call the fourth quarter of their game, right? There it is. Um, right, they're, they're not done yet, but, there's, but transition is coming, so it's a season of change. Uh, it's a new season where we're focusing in on what it means to be a follower of Jesus because that is something we feel called to. And so we want to ask Jesus and invite Jesus to articulate that to us, to help us have clarity on that, and then to practice that as, together as a church. Because we believe here at MVC that true life, follow me, is found only in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, that's the beginning of a new life that is forever with him. The invitation or call to those who believe in Jesus is to follow him. And that's what we are. We're followers. Have you heard that term before? Followers of Jesus. Maybe you've heard the word disciple. We're our disciples of Jesus. It's it's an older word. It comes from Jesus' context in the New Testament, his first century. Um, If it helps you, a better word in today's language might be apprentice. And so when it comes to living as God has designed, we are in apprenticeship to Jesus. We're followers of him. Now, the scripture says, this is basic stuff here. I'm not going to say anything profound, but I want you to think about everything I'm saying, okay? The scripture says that the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and lives in those who believe in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God himself comes to live within us. And we're given a new heart. When we talked about the new covenant, that was new covenant teaching that Pat brought us through. We're given a new heart, and this heart is soft towards God. This power, this Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, then is at work in our lives. It's the same power that was at work raising Jesus from the dead. So the same person, the same power who rose Jesus from the dead is put into our lives as believers. Tracking with me? Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. Simple stuff. And so the same resurrection power is at work in our lives so that we might live a new life now with God. This, This means that for every believer... The Spirit of God is at work in your life today. So what, how does the Spirit of God work? Well, the Spirit of God cultivates. He produces fruit. Have you heard of that? Fruit of the Spirit. There's nine. All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to confer with your neighbor. How many of the nine can you get? There's nine fruits of the Spirit. If you're new and you've never heard this, then this is a total jerky church thing to do and just forget I said this. But if you know what I'm talking about, try and come up with as many as you can in 30 seconds. Did you get all nine? Maybe. Let's look at this verse. Galatians 5.22 it says this, the fruit of the spirit. This should be familiar. And if not, this is a good thing that we're going through it. Is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Have you seen this verse before? This, every verse I'm going to use tonight, you may have seen on your grandparents' bathroom wall, right? Like, it may have been cross-stitched at some time and is hanging somewhere. Like, these are pretty well-known verses for Christians, but, um, but they're important for us. And that's why they get so excitedly cross-stitched so much. Self, control, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. gentleness. Now this makes sense because this is exactly the life that Jesus lived. Jesus was full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. And is, the idea is that the abundant life that Jesus offered looks like this. The, and I want you to hear that. The, the life that Jesus is offering to you and me is a life full of these things. And this is why I need the Holy Spirit. Because truthfully, I cannot produce these things in my own life. I need God at work to do things that I can't do. Right? I, you understand what I'm saying? Like, even on my way here today, um, I honked at someone. And it was simply because they, like, they had the right of way. You ever been in this situation? A car stopped, and then the car in front of me, we had the right of way. It was open season. And they're just like, oh, I'm going to stop and let that guy go first. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's not even legal. You're not supposed to be nice on the road. And I laid into my horn, and I immediately thought, how patient am I? I'm going to be talking about this this morning, <laughs> right? Um, so it's, it, we look at that list. It's easy, I think, for each one of us to understand that we need help with these things. And when I was in high school, um, in English class, I remember there was this saying on the wall. Maybe you had this in your English. There's a bunch of sayings, and I just didn't care about hardly any of them. But this one said... Something to the effect of don't sacrifice what you want in the moment, like for what you truly want. Don't trade what's most important for something that's temporary. Have you heard, have you heard that before? And I was like, mind blown. I need to do that because I always choose in the moment, right? And, and it was easy to understand even in high school, even as a young person, that it wasn't just that I was missing that like, I had no self-control in my life, uh, when it, especially when it comes to food and drink. But that, that issue was causing me to miss out on better things, right? Like maybe as I'm watching the junior varsity basketball game and I have to suit up for varsity, seven Mountain Dews and a giant bag of Sour Patch Kids isn't really going to prepare me well for the game at hand. Now, I, it took me a while to make that connection, right? And the truth is, truth is even after I had, I, I struggled with that choice. Mountain Dews. Is it Mountain Dews? Or Mountain, is it Dew? Is it like deer? I don't know. That's in my brain. You need to kick that out right now. I'm not care about that. Okay. Um, tell me later what you think. I want to know the, the mystery of Mountain Dew, plural. Um, when I put my faith in Jesus, God didn't grant me instant self-control. It wasn't like I was Superman at self-control all of a sudden. 
Otherwise, I would look like Superman, <laughs> right? But I did have access, hear me, to a power not my own. Because I've been given the Holy Spirit. So I was able to experience the fruit of self-control in my life through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Hear me? Even though I am weak to create that in my life. This is what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives. Um, next verse, and you could turn there. It's going to be on, this, on the screen, Romans 8, 28 through 29. One of my favorite verses. Another one you've probably seen cross-stitched. Maybe you have a, a sweater with this on it. I don't know. Is that a thing? Probably not. It should be. Um, Romans 8, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Heard that before, right? Verse, the second verse, the next one is very important in understanding that. Excuse me, verse says, For God knew his people in, adv in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Your translation may say conform to, right? And the, the, that word, it means to fashion into. So God, the Father, is at work in your and my life, fashioning us into the image of Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, though I started with no self-control, I could taste it and I could experience it through the power of the Spirit. But over time, as God transforms my life, and we have you've probably heard this before, the big word in church is sanctification. Right, it's got like 90 syllables. God's sanctifying us. He's making us more like Jesus. So over time, I actually get self-control as God transforms me. So I'm more self-controlled in my being and my person as I become like Jesus. This is a work that God is doing in your life. This should sound familiar, by the way, becoming like Jesus. We're going to oversay it, guys, right? Because it's, this is a simple way that we're explaining what it means to follow Jesus, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And you're going to see all three of those in what we talk about today. So from the start, we get the Holy Spirit producing the things of God in my life when I cannot. And we have a loving Father that's working in every single circumstance. All, good and bad, in my life, transforming me into the image of Jesus. When Jesus himself talks about bearing fruit. Now, let me paraphrase for time's sake. You can write down, if you're taking notes, you can write down, this comes from John 15. Jesus says... Abide in me, and I in you. You can't bear fruit apart from me. I'm taking sections here. In fact, apart from me, you finish it, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you, the words of Jesus, and you'll bear much fruit. 
You'll see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I may have missed one or two. I'm sorry if I did. Again, it's the fruit. This is the abundant life that Jesus is offering. This is what his life looks like. This is what the God, God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all at work producing in our lives. It should be easy to conclude that those who have walked with Jesus the longest should look a lot like him. Then why is it, and let's just be honest, that those, sometimes those who have known Jesus quite long may seem like the least patient, least kind, least loving. I'm not, and I'm, let's point the finger just at me. Least joyful, least self-controlled. Why are so many Jesus people stressed out, burned out, emotionally unhealthy, restless, and just simply exhausted? I mean, I have all of God's help at work in my life. But I still have so much further to go. Yes, I have replaced Mountain Dew with Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to, my wife does not like that, by the way. Instead of water. Some more water, though. There's t- but, right, to be honest, the, the battle isn't easy. It often feels hard, especially when life is hard. Oh, but God gives us so much grace. Because Jesus is what? He's loving. He's patient. He's kind. He's gentle. He doesn't condemn us. He knows um, that we can be so slow to learn and change and even to seek him out. Turn to Matthew 11. This is where we'll spend the rest of our time. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Maybe he's... Actually, he's talking to the, nope, 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 yep, disciples. Nope, I'm in the wrong passage. Okay, it's this part of Jesus' message to uh, the cities when he's going out and preaching. So it's more than his disciples. He's he's talking to the crowds. Um, And this is what he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You've heard it. Now, I, I really like the way Eugene P- Pearson paraphrases it. 
in the message. This is a paraphrase, but I want you to hear it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, sounds good, right? In your life, as a follow, if you're a follower of Jesus, what, like at this moment, what do you resonate most with? Heavy laden? Burdened? Maybe it's a mix? Free light. Just think about it. I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm just asking you to think about it. Because there's a tension in this, right? Like how could life, we know how hard life is. How could it really be light and easy? And I think Jesus has a few things to say to us. And understanding exactly what he's saying, I think will unlock this for us. Now, first, you've got to notice, Jesus is not surprised that people are weary and heavy laden. And this is before technology, the constant barrage of alerts and dopamine hits from your phone. This is my first point. Jesus doesn't offer an easy life. He offers an easy yoke. And there's a difference. Jesus doesn't offer an easy life. He offers an easy yoke. Life is hard. Jesus isn't here to make life more comfortable. In fact, Jesus himself said, plan on more trouble in your life if you follow me. Plan on some persecution and some suffering. Cheers, right? Like, Life is hard. He's no stranger to that. And he, he doesn't shy away from talking about it. The way John Mark Comer said it is, an easy life isn't an option. This is on my fridge right now. An easy yoke is an option. Okay, so what the heck is a yoke? <laughs> We're going to do a little quiz. Some true or false, I'm going to tell you six statements. Some of them are true. Some of them are false. You keep track of what you get right, and we'll see if anyone can win by getting them all correct. Okay. A yoke, number one, is the creamy, delicious center of an egg. Okay, make sure you get your answer in. You can confer with your partner if you need someone next to you. The answer is false. And you're like, Josh, come on, it is. You're right, but you're wrong because that yoke is spelled differently. Y-O-L-K. Different yoke. 
Okay, secondly, a yoke is the hovel or dwelling of a yokel. An unsophisticated country bumpkin. True or false? Some people are chanting true. They're so excited about that. You need to hear it again. This is not for any spiritual edification, but we're going to do it again. A yoke is the hovel or dwelling of a yokel, an unsophisticated country bumpkin. Confer with those around you. Come to your answer. That is totally false. I made that up. I totally made that up. This is how I spend my sermon prep time. All right, thirdly, a yoke is a woke person. I know you're so excited about that. Of an older age who feels more kinship with the current generation than their own. They're not just woke, they're yoke. That's true. No, I'm just kidding, that's false. <laughs> okay, fourth one. A yoke is a small bone on the side of the face that forms your cheek prominence. Again, worthless, but is it true or false? That one's true. Yep, yep, I threw that in there. So most of you who love to be perfect would fail. Okay, a yoke is a wooden bar by which two animals are joined together at the head or neck for working together. Okay, you guys, come on. That's true. But did you know this? A yoke is a rabbi's teaching. Have you heard that before? So the first century disciples, those who Jesus had called to himself, when Jesus uses this language here, they would have thought two things. First, they would have said, oh, yoke. My rabbi's yoke is his teaching. In other words, it's, it's everything he believes about the world. And he wants me as a disciple to take on his yoke. That was the goal of discipleship. It was to take on your, your rabbi's worldview, how he thought, how he acted, how he lived. The yoke of your rabbi. That's the work of discipleship. Um, but they would also have ca caught the farming metaphor right away. They would have got that right away because of the, the words that Jesus is using. See, a yoke is a farming tool. It's used for work. Do you remember who Jesus is talking to? How does he start out? You who are, you can look, or say heavy laden. Those who need rest. When Jesus offers a yoke, he is offering something that we may think tired workers need the least. He is offering them a new way to work. See, but his yoke 
and his way are different. And so rest, he's offering rest, but it's found in his yoke, his work. Kaylee, my good friend Kaylee, come on up. And Ethan, strongman, please bring me the buckets. Kaylee is a new friend of mine. She comes to my house for voice lessons. And say your full name. Kaylee Okinga. Very good. How old are you? Nine. Very good. I'm older than that. Um, who is your grandfather? Pastor Pat. Pastor Pat Peglo. Guess what, guys? If you know Pat, this is astonishing, but Kaylee can sing <laughs> really well. You sound great. She's Pat's grandchild. That's crazy. All right. No, Pat's not that bad. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll let him tell us about that. Okay, now, the yoke was, uh, here, let's go over here. So basically a yoke, by the way, we're going to have Kaylee, why don't you try, this is full of rocks. Try and move that for us. Okay, she's moving it. Guys, I only wanted to use two rocks, but Kaylee was too strong, and the metaphor would have completely fallen apart. I had to add a third rock, and it's really heavy for me, but you actually moved it. You're very strong. Was it easy? No. If I said, I want you to move it all the way over there, then all the way to the back of the room, and then all the way around, and then all the way back here, would you be like, sweet? No. Okay, good. So, sometimes, like, let me explain yoke, and then we'll talk about the rocks. Yoke is a farmer's tool. And what they would do is it's kind of like a wooden bar and it's got two curves in it. So like a giant unibrow, right? If, is that a shape that makes sense to everyone? And you could put two animals in it and it was for directing those animals to work. And often what they would do is they would take a young animal and they would take an old animal and they would put them together. And the whole purpose of that was so that the young animal could learn how to do the work. So basically, they would make something that would allow us to carry this together so that you could learn the right way to do the farming work, but um, you didn't have all the weight of the burden. It was an easy and light burden. Make sense? And the goal for the small animal, if you didn't want to be hamburgers, was to learn how to not only like be in the harness, but to go at the right pace with the older, more knowledgeable animal. Because if you don't go fast enough, you're not gonna be able to go through the resistance needed to till the soil. And if you go too fast, you're gonna make a mess of things. So the goal is for you, the young animal to learn the pace and the process of the old animal so that they can do what they are made to do. Now, so many of us are trying to do life apart from Jesus, and it is just ridiculously hard. Life is hard, it's burdensome, and we are exhausted because we're trying to carry the bucket all around the room on our own. 
No, second example. Why don't you take that bucket? And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk back and forth a couple times. And here's, I want you to like go as fast as you can without tripping. Like don't, be careful, all right? Um, but when you, when you get next to me, like cause I'm gonna go slower. When you come up next to me, just like stop, take a couple steps with me, and then just race again, okay? And we're gonna do it back and forth a few times. Are you ready? I wanna see how, how fast you can go, how many times you can do it. You ready? Let's go. Okay, you're with me? Now take off. Fast. Back. All right, slow down. Take off. All right. Come back. All right. Sync up with me. Good, now take off. Yes, go. Should we keep doing this? Okay, you're, I'm tired, okay? Let's just be honest. <laughs> you can stop. Um, eventually, that kind of pace is going to wear you out. Now, Jesus says, come, take, like, be bound to me. Yoke yourself to me. Learn from me. Walk with me. Like, lean on me. I'll carry the burden. And for so much of us, our life is this. We like that idea, but we like our life. So like on Sunday mornings, or maybe for a Bible study during the week, or maybe it's a morning Devo even, we stop with Jesus for a moment and we start to experience the rest that he offers. Because it's linked to him. But then we just go at a crazy pace. And we're fighting against the very rest that Jesus is offering us. And we fill our bucket with our own things. We're so afraid to miss out on life, right? We're so need to maximize and achieve in every moment that we fill our life with everything we can, every connection, every activity, every season of every TV show and every movie of every trilogy and every series, right? We just fill it up and we're exhausted. But we have tasted rest. We know what Jesus offers. But we really like our life too. We don't like slowing down. It's, it feels better sometimes to write things off the to-do list. Because slowing down at the end of a hard day and paying attention to the Holy Spirit sometimes just feels like work. But it's a new kind of work. And whenever we link ourselves and we cling to Jesus, there's life in that. Now, here's what Jesus offers. All right. I was going to do this. Let's do this with this arm. This is my bad shoulder, but I'm strong. Here we go. All right, go ahead and grab that with me. You can leave that bucket. Grab this one. Let's go. We'll carry it together. All right, stay with me. Let's turn around. Very good. Does that feel very heavy? It does. <laughs> That's because I'm doing this poor. Okay, let's try again. 
<laughs> Let's go. Does it feel heavy? No, okay, thank you. All right, let's, we're done. <laughs> Woo! I am no Jesus. All right. Um, thank you. Can we give Kaylee a round of applause? Thank you for helping me. You go ahead and sit down. <laughs> Woo! See, when Jesus carrying, is carrying the load of the work, the real work that we're doing is just binding ourselves to him. It's just choosing to slow down and be with him. Oh, man. All right. I think I need to work out more. Dallas Willard said this in The Spirit of Disciplines. And, uh, yeah. And in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as he lived in the entirety of his life. Speaking of Jesus. Adopting his overall lifestyle. To live as Christ lives is to live as he did all the time. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It is a strategy bound to fail and to make the way of Christ difficult and left untried. So to say yes to the easy yoke of Jesus is to learn not only to have the right set of ideas that we believe in our head, it's not just theology, it's for sure not just a list of do's and don'ts, ethics. It's to learn to live as he did. Now, he's the teacher in that. And that, that learning happens in connection with him. See, this is all about our relationship with Jesus. Abundant life is about living with him. And there is no fool, I believe this, hear this, there is no fool and abundant life apart from learning to live like Jesus. To experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And this is where following Jesus can feel like work because there is a cost. It costs something to order your life in such a way that you're willing to slow down and be present with God. Be attentive to the Holy Spirit, to the truth of God's word. It costs something. 
And many of us like our lifestyle, if we're honest. That's the rub. There's the tension. I love Jesus. I love church on Sundays. I like kind of being the master of my own fate as well. But that's not abundant life. And that will only frustrate you over time. There's a warning here too. Right? What's the, what's the alternative to walking in Jesus' yoke with him? It's a wearisome life. That's an unrestful soul. Like unrest in your inner being. That's the alternative. That's the warning. Hmm. You know what's so cool about this metaphor, though? The, the part that I love the most. Right, we're talking, it's a farming metaphor. And honestly, Jesus could totally be the farmer. Like, he's the one who directs. And he is the farmer, guys. He's the one who directs, who controls. He has all the power, all the authority, all the glory. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. But what, what is, how does Jesus talk about himself in this metaphor? Right? He's the one who gets in the dirt with us. He's in the work. He knows what it's like. In fact, he bears the burden. He gets in the thick of it with you and me. The king of the cosmos wants to be yoked with you, with me. How incredible. How amazing is that grace. We get scared of the word work sometimes. But, but grace isn't opposed to work. It's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Dallas Willard said that. I like him. Sorry. I quote him. It's opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to you saying, I'm going to save myself. I'm going to work for Jesus like no one else has. No. Salvation is a gift. A life tied to Jesus is a gift. That's the imitation. It's not do your best. It's come to me. Bind yourself to me. Above all else. Be with me. That's where life is. Incredible. Ben, you can come up. So I would just invite you. I mean, the first cost, guys, is simply this. It's time. Time with Jesus. And this is where our church is starting. We're going to talk through the Sabbath practice and learn about that together. That's some, a way that you can participate. And another way you can participate, I think, if you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to know what he's all about, if you've known Jesus for a long time and you've never read through the Gospels, please do so. Like, he will show up for you. Like, let's pay attention to him, his person, his teaching, spend time. That's a great place to start in God's word. 
We're going to head to the table in a moment. And I would just say this. Are you feeling tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Do you want true rest? Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest for your souls.